Hey everyone, welcome to Recovering You. This is a podcast that will take you through a step-by-step guide of what you can expect when you enter into a world of recovery from addictive and compulsive behaviors. You are here to learn how to change, and we are here to give you the tools to get there. This episode contains discussion of physical and sexual intimacy that may be unsuitable or uncomfortable for certain listeners. Though no content would be considered graphic, the nature of this discussion may be triggering. If this is something that you do not feel prepared to listen to, feel free to skip this episode, and we will look forward to you joining us next week. Thanks. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Recovering You. I am your host, Cameron Harrison. Today is May 1. No, I did not say day one. I said May 1. But since I've said day one, you know, just just dropping that plug in there. So uh, (laughs) I'm actually I'm joined here by my very special friend, previous therapist, and just one of the guys I look up most to in this world, Cody Haas. Um, Cody. How are you? Hey, hey, good. How are you? Dude, I well, I, I'm doing amazing. So so this weekend we've been hanging out with uh, Maurice and all the mentors, and it has been just like spiritual experience after spiritual experience. Uh, we had a, a we had a get to know you meeting that turned into a testimony meeting the first night we were all here, and it was it was by far probably one of the coolest and most powerful experiences I've had in a very long time. Like, man, it was, it was emotional. It was, it was awesome. So some, some amazing guys here hanging out. And uh, the other great thing. So today actually is Sunday. And normally this is when my episodes release. So I'm going to, I'm going to try and get this out today. So sorry for the late release. Those of you that like to listen to this first thing in the morning on Sundays when they come out. Uh, But the good thing is, when I wake up in the morning and record, I have a much deeper, more uh, sultry voice. <laughs> little little Barry White voice going on here. I sound more like my my previous host, Chris. You know, got I got that going for me. I, I got the the deep bravado going. Nice. Well, I'm not jealous that you guys are having such a good time in Arizona right now at all. Oh, you are, but that's okay. <laughs> oh yeah, I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> we we do miss you. It would have been uh it would have been awesome to uh to have you here joining us. And we're you know next time I come into Utah though I'm gonna definitely hit you up. We can go grab some lunch or something. We gotta hang out. There we go. Um. All right. So today's conversation today's conversation is a doozy. And the reason that I invited you onto this episode um is because. It's such a delicate topic, and I feel like it needs to be dealt with through an actual therapist, not only for the sake of delicacy and and tactfulness, but for the sake of if it's just coming from me, I don't know if it'll be believable. (laughs) So uh, I had to get some credibility on the show and who who to be more credible than uh, than Cody Haas, the man. So thank you. So today we're going to talk about sex. Uh, well, sex and physical intimacy and all those things that are involved in that physical relationship uh, between a man and a woman, between man and wife. And um, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I'm, I'm a little nervous. I'm, <laughs> I'm, uh, my heart's beating pretty quick on this one. This is, a, this is a tough topic for me to jump into, but I, I see the value and the importance in it, and I'm excited to go. So when we were doing therapy, Cody, you had this reference of um, how you described physical intimacy. And I, I would love for you to talk a little bit about that. It's wonderful. It's such a beautiful and sacred and wonderful thing. And so I want to I always want to treat it with such respect and dignity and um, the way, you know, if we, if we go about it, how the world or how the, how we perceive it in the world, uh, sex can be kind of, I guess, miscommunicated or misseen as stimulation or objectification. 
Yeah. And we want it to be, we want it to be such a beautiful and wonderful thing that's set up an overall intimacy. Almost as if it's uh, something that comes because people are so close verbally, cognitively, emotionally, psychologically, spiritually, that even, even a wonderful snuggle or even hand-holding feels like there's just such a closeness and a spark, right? Oh yeah. And so I, I totally, I totally get you on that one. Um, you, yeah. you, uh, you called it, what, what was it that you called it? It was a uh, celestial intimacy, right? When, when yeah. you described it to me. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, just that concept of how, how holy and sacred and, and special that this was. And, and I want to point out what you pointed out there. You're talking about this physical intimacy, but you, it's not sex. I mean, you, you referred to that holding hands can be this, amazing experience and I gotta say um, because a lot of people that listen to this know my story they know that my wife and I stepped backwards into uh, mere acquaintances that that's all we were we knew each other and we worked our way from acquaintances all the way through the process the dating process the engagement process to renewing our vows but I got to tell you the first time that I wasn't really expecting it and my wife reached over and took my hand it was like an electrical shock to my system and it was exhilarating and I still I still get that little shock today because I'm so grateful for the opportunity just just to be able to hold her hand because I almost lost her and so knowing what I almost lost I'm so grateful for what I have right yeah and it's just it, like you just got to put that um sacredness back into it just like what you experienced it's it's something so amazing and shouldn't be shouldn't be taboo the only re reason it becomes taboo is if is if we grasp the meanings of whatever um the you know environment around us is telling it telling us what it should be right right it, it wants to be identity it wants to be it, the sexual identity wants to be a part of it the everything wants to be surrounded by it and relationships uh, we we receive so many myths about how it's supposed to be the the ideal point of the relationship um, when it's it should be a lot more than that and just like you were experiencing it's it's a spark it's a electrifying experience when we can actually be one with each other and and express that with an immense amount of safety and security and that's why i always pinpoint the verbal cognitive and emotional intimacy first it's that it's that foundation of, of safety some people will call that the friend zone and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie I, I like when people are in the friend zone that's what, I, that's, that's what I have to teach every day I have to teach that every day how do we get back to being friends and liking each other again that'd be awesome yeah I, I was gonna say every every single guy out there that's in the friend zone right now is like gosh dang it Cody why why'd you have to trigger me like that why I'm glad I hate the friend so. zone <laughs> um, but, but I, I love that you pointed out those, those other forms of intimacy outside of the physical intimacy. So j just for, for, uh, note-taking and list-taking sake, can, can you go through those, those, uh, those other ones too? You said there's an emotional intimacy. What, what's a quick little, like, how would you describe emotional intimacy? Well, let me go in a little, a little bit different order. This is, oh yeah. Okay. Maurice, Maurice has trained me on these things and I love it. He calls it celestial or the, sorry, the the um intimacy triangle and so it starts out with verbal and that okay. is where we we set up similar to a weather check before we got go out into the weather um whatever we whatever we're doing that day if it's cold if it's hot we prepare for such you know stuff so verbal intimacy is similar to a weather check just to see how we're doing ourselves um so if we're going to go check in verbally with the, the person that um we're in that relationship we've got to know how we are because if i if i go and ask somebody how are you i've got to know how i'm doing too because if i ask that how are you i'm i'm putting myself in the listening role you, do you kind of do that like joey from friends like how you doing i have never really <laughs> watched friends but sure i yeah oh man poor poor reference you oh, okay no no it's good i i've heard that before though okay um how you doing okay yeah 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 pretty much <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's just like we got to see how we're doing first because if we're 
um, if we're setting up that that base of intimacy in our relationship, sometimes we just gotta we gotta step back and see how we're doing first, right? All these all these things are very individual first, are all very independent. And then when you go into cognitive intimacy, even by asking that question, how are you? We're then going into the cognitions, perceptions, and perspectives of that other person. And so we're gonna go in and see what their dreams, what their aspirations are. Not necessarily in that, how are you, but we're going to start really understanding where they act cognitively. We compare that to GPS destination. Um, where are we going in our life? What are our dreams? Like if someone's wanting to go on vacation to uh, uh, North Dakota and to go see Mount Rushmore and the other wants to go to Orlando to go to Disney World, we got to see each other's perceptions on that and see how it goes. And this is what is so amazing. Um, especially for the woman's psyche is because they, once they feel like the man in the relationship uh, or the man in the relationship can hear their perceptions and cognitions and thoughts and, and beliefs, that's when they start to see, Oh my goodness, I can get closer to this person. I can, I can even talk to them and I can get, I can get that closeness with them. And then we go into emotional intimacy which emotions are throughout the whole process. Um, we're, we're talking emotions through the verbal, cognitive, but emotional intimacies, it's, a, it's actually when we can set up a real, um, real system where we can actually hear each other's emotions from the past. When I was in this experience or when I was, this, you know, when I was, you know, doing this in our, you know, previous relationship where I wasn't as, as good as I wanted to be, I really want to, I don't want to do that anymore. I really want to make sure that I can proceed with, with confidence in this area. So we're talking about the emotions of the past there. And so those are the first three sets, verbal, cognitive, and emotional intimacy. Those are the first three foundational intimacies that really create safety and security in a marriage where then we can go into the psychological, spiritual, and uh, sexual, physical intimacy with synergy, we actually can feel it almost as if we don't even have to say anything. We just go into these wonderful team building synergistic things that make it very, very awesome and celestial. Now, I, I, I remember when you were describing these to me when, when we were going through counseling together and um, you actually told me, you're like, Cameron, there's, there's, with the rebuilding that you have to do with your wife, there's a good chance that even the physical side of things come before the emotional intimacy comes into place because that, that kind of, uh, that, that was such a deep form of trust for, for her to be able to hand me her emotions and say, I can now trust you with these would probably come a lot sooner than I, I trust you holding my hand. I trust you. I trust myself in your arms that that would probably come first. And, uh, but I, I also, I love that you put in there that the emotional thing is something that kind of builds through all of those processes that as you have great conversations, those can turn into a very emotional, very emotional conversations. And, but you're still, you're still just having this uh, verbal intimacy. And then as you're, uh, um, as you're going through that, that, that cognitive or that, uh, that GPS, I guess, seeing, seeing where each other wants to go, I'm just, I, I love the, the running theme of uh, the emotions kind of being the undertone of all these intimacies. So thank, thank you for breaking all that down. Uh, I, I think that's yeah. awesome. Um, okay. So let's, um, let's switch gears here a little bit. So we, we've, we've talked a little bit about the different kinds of intimacy, but so what, what is the purpose of intimacy in a relationship? Because we, we have this idea in our heads that like one, once we get married, Oh, it, it's, it's free love whenever I want, you know, like it's um, and it's, it's how I want. And there, there's so much that goes into it. We, we almost put, I would actually, I wouldn't say almost, but we put way too much emphasis on that physical side of the relationship and we lose sight of, what the real purpose of those intimacies are. So I'd love it if you could break down a little bit what the purpose is. Why, why do we, why did God design us in the way of feeling these intimacies and, and particularly that physical intimacy? 
yeah it's just it's it's that passionate energy that we have we want to go and pursue creative passionate energy and it's it's a wonder it's it's beautiful it's wonderful especially when two people can come together and experience that that wonderful emotion of like that those creative powers but also like having a, a bunch of fun and like just being together in those moments is just just awesome and if it's ever distorted like it's just it becomes unfun right it becomes um um uh, i guess in those it just becomes dumbed down it, it loses its opportunity to, to build so much synergy and so much momentum with each other and so i think heavenly actually i know heavenly father um created it for that purpose is to to build synergy it's a bonding i mean when we got oxytocin and dopamine and all these wonderful chemicals um being released through that sexual really healthy sexual intimacy it is it's such a great bonding experience now when people do it maybe it's maybe if that if that bonding experience or those bonding chemicals are released through manipulative means or through through other ways it it, it creates that bond but it could turn into a kind of a a trauma bond and that's what we want to stay away from really toxic that, yeah that toxic bond that is like oh my goodness um i don't know if we're close we're just kind of having you know a party to to release whatever sadness or whatever grief we're going through yeah well and and that's what that's just so frustrating about like the media these days is they almost teach people like oh uh sex should be used as a, a manipulative tool it should be used or or even as as a weapon to get someone to do something that you want them to do like i i mean even something as simple as hey if you if you do the dishes and vacuum the floors you might get special time with me and it's like to to make it a reward system behavior really creates this um like i said before a, a really toxic outlook on it that you feel like you almost have to earn that intimacy with that person and and what you were saying before it's not about it's not about earning it it's about being at the same place parallel with that partner that it almost just happens that you're not having to beg for it you're not so when when i was when i was in an unhealthy state i felt like if i took my wife out on a nice date bought her an expensive dinner maybe there was a flower involved you know and and i went through all this effort my reward was supposed to be at the end of the night i i got to make love to my wife and that was something that actually became really damaging and did a lot of damage to to her trust because she didn't want to go on dates with me anymore because she was like if i'm not in the mood then and there's going to be this feeling of obligation that i have to somehow fulfill his needs just because he he planned a movie and dinner and and that's what that's what earns my most sacred attribute that i have to give him is my my body so um, yeah, that, that's definitely something that we want to avoid even using it as a reward system and especially withholding it as like a, as a weapon. Like, no, because because I'm upset with you or because we got in an argument earlier, I'm, I'm not giving you that part of me. I'm, I'm refusing myself from you. And that can be another thing that, you know, media tends to really kind of... Um, What's the word I'm looking for? Uh, promote. So, yeah, I mean, we just, yeah, we want it to be authentic and sincere, and and most of the time, I don't know about anybody out there, but if we're in the right mind, if we're in our right mind, I don't, I don't think anybody wants to experience the wonderful, beautiful, and healthy sexuality when if the other person isn't into it, right? If the other person doesn't want to be there you're just like oh yeah if we're in our right mind we're just like oh yeah i don't know if i want to do this either um and so that's why often it's like it can be extremely and wonderfully spontaneous because two people are practicing those first three areas of intimacy and they're building 
you know, they're building out their plans together through psychological intimacy. They're sharing their spiritual intimacy. And they just build that closeness. And all of a sudden, hands held, you know, snuggling and becomes something that nobody had to ask for. Nobody had to manipulate. Nobody had to reward. Yeah. Because both people independently, like, I am feeling extremely close to you. And I want to express this wonderful, wonderful, safe and healthy act with you. Yeah. So, so I, I know that uh, the, the answer to this is probably going to be pretty obvious, but maybe you have a deeper insight into it. How do we avoid those miscommunications in uh, regarding intimacy or sex? Cause, and, and maybe, maybe even like in your experience, what have been some of the most common miscommunications that people have regarding sex? Yeah. It's just like, it's, see if the verbal communication ends up being around like how we're not doing or you're not doing or we're not fulfilling this um, sexual responsibility or whatever it is if that becomes the base of verbal right then we're putting physical intimacy which is supposed to be the peak of the of the triangle we're putting that down on the bottom and so it becomes very imbalanced and so a lot of the times usually it's miscommunicated because maybe that's the desire at the time which is an amazing desire. We, we, man, we love that healthy and wonderful and amazing sexual experience. But we got to check in and see, hey, and we, we just do a step back and say, oh my goodness, I, I really am feeling a little bit on edge sexually. Right? I really want to do that. And that's where we, where we got to, you know, maybe not we're, maybe we're not experiencing that or we're not saying that to our other person sure to our, our spouse but we go back before we check in with our how are you or what that whatever we're doing verbally and we go and say oh my goodness i'm really feeling a lot of urges and i think well and, and for some reason i think the only way to you know fulfill that urge is to go ask her about it or ask him about it hey i'm 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 having this sexual urge right now what are we going to do about it right it's like, oh, how are you gonna fix this <laughs> how, how are you gonna fix this I, and, um, and if we can go back and say okay okay as i know passionate energy is gonna flow through me i don't this the only you know as we learn through our recoveries and um as we're getting to the the, the sexual self master we're, we're learning that passionate energy doesn't have to come through uh, the sexual intercourse experience or the pornographic experience or the masturbatory experience. Right. It can come through brightening our, bridling our passions so that we may feel the love of God. Yeah. And so, man, I can actually go and see what I need to do because my wife's not an object. I'm not an object. I'm not going to go through. I, I don't see sexual intimacy as stimulation anymore. I see it as a very conjoining, like really synergistic experience. So I got to step back. I got to do my notice it, name it, flip it, find it. I got to do whatever I can, do my truth tool, whatever it is to get back to my truth and to, to express my passion in other ways, right? Before I go in there, let's say I go win that battle. Let's say somebody in that situation wins that battle and says, ooh, I was about to go talk to my wife or my husband and say, you know, I was having a sexual urge and I wanted to come in and talk to you about that. But before I went and did that, I went, I went and got to my true self. I get, went to my identity as son of God or sister, or, you know, daughter of God. And I went and won this battle. I want to tell you about it before I came in and checked in with you. And then we start the communication differently. And maybe that's not what's wanting to be heard by the spouse or whatever, but we go check in. It's got to be an individual, independent approach to say, man, I really wanted to go get stimulation, but I chose to get, I chose to go get edified and filled and my needs fulfilled by Heavenly Father in passionate ways by going, being creative in this way or that way and go and do a notice and name it, flip it, find it. And then we go present that, present that, what we just won to our our spouse or whoever and say because you mean more to me 
And that's, that's a really cool verbal check-in, right? Yeah. And I, I love that you pointed out that that is an independent journey that, that we don't need our spouses to either talk us down from that point or to turn us down at that point or, um, you know, to, to get essentially the, the permission or the guidance from them, because that is what develops that codependent nature regarding physical intimacy. That that's what teaches us like, oh, well, in order for this to be solved, I have to have the other person involved. And what it can be is I can actually um, bring myself down while maintaining that attraction and that desire, but involving control into it, recognizing that I can have this desire I just don't have to lose control and, and essentially try and force the subject on my spouse and say, in order for me to be able to function, in order for me to be able to be happy, I need this need fulfilled. So, um, yeah, it just doesn't happen. It doesn't, the experience or we never, you know, you think about what happens when we go to, um, I guess, negative or sorry, kind of like objectifying or seeking stimulation type of outlets it's probably it, we're, we're seeking some type of uh, place to put that pain right and sometimes people think that it's released through the ejaculate or whatever but like gosh where does that pain stay maybe we're experiencing some type of emotional or or psychological pain and we you know and that happens in addiction a lot right where do we release that pain through some type of stimulation or objectification it's not going into anywhere. It still stays. Whatever we're experiencing that day that says, Ooh, we should go just release this onto something, right? That there, there's something deeper, more chemical going on that you're, you're using sex as a Band-Aid to, uh, to cover up a gaping wound. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't know if anybody wants to be used as the coping strategy. No, you know? no, it's, it's not, it's not good. I can, <laughs> I can speak from experience. It does a lot of damage when you use someone as a coping mechanism. Um, and, and actually I, I would actually love to, to continue that train or uh, that, that thought process. Um, when, when you've been in an, an abusive relationship and, and I, not all abusive relationships, you know, mean the back of a hand. I mean, I, I was in a very emotional, emotionally and physically abusive relationship because not only was I being unfaithful, I was still trying to manipulate and get physical intimacy from my wife. And that did, that did a lot of damage. And um, there can be, there can be a lot of triggers regarding that physical intimacy once you get back to that point, so say you've gone through that journey and, and you're at a point that you're like, I think we're ready to be physically intimate again. We, we have great conversations. We like each other. Everything is going well in our relationship. Everything's kind of healing. Let's, let's try this. Um, and, you, and you start communicating what your, your desires are, what your wants are, you know, and you start exploring kind of that, that happiness. There can, there can be a lot of triggers around that. Um, you know, there, there were, uh, there were a lot of instances that my, my wife was like, I, there are times, there were times that she's like, I felt like you were just trying to reenact videos you saw with me. And that was, that was a horrifying thing to hear, to be like, to, to think that, and, and, you know, looking back, I probably was, I, I probably had seen something in a video and was like, oh, that would be fun to try. I mean, and, and I think that is a pretty normal thing for a lot of people that look at pornography to do, that they say, that looks fun, let's try that. And that was really triggering and really difficult for my wife to feel like she was just, she was filling the role of an actress in our relationship. Um, so I'd, I'd love to talk a little bit about um, different kinds of triggers and how to deal with them for the spouse. And then I'd actually... Uh, um, I'd like to talk about triggers for the addict regarding that physical intimacy as well, just for a couple minutes. So uh, how would you, how would you uh, say, or how would you communicate to the spouse of an addict who feels triggered, like say before or during or after sex, like how should they communicate that or what kind of things can they do to help that situation? Yeah. First off, thank you for, oh my goodness, Cameron, you're so awesome to be, <laughs> so 
vulnerable and because this is all real stuff like what yeah. you're saying here is like real stuff that happens on a regular basis and i i'm just so grateful for your example and your your vulnerability and courage just to like put this out on the table and just say you know what guys we gotta we gotta go address this stuff so thank you for it that. needs to be talked about man thank you i appreciate that that means a lot but yeah so a lot of times like you know maurice touched or uh, has taught me a ton about the I have a dream statement. Martin Luther King too, like, man, we just love I have a dream statements. Yeah. And so a lot of times it happens before we, we ought to have these, have these conversations beforehand. I have a dream that when we enter into physical intimacy, that you and I dot, 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 right, right, that you respect or that you have this in mind or that you have gone through the first three levels of intimacy and I have gotten through the first levels, first three levels of intimacy, excuse me, um, to make sure that we can set up a really synergistic experience. So a lot of times the communication, the miscommunication is happening because we don't know what, what we're thinking about the sexual experience. We haven't put in the cognitive intimacy enough or the ideas and the dreams with how we want the physical intimacy to, to be, right? And so a lot of times we're having a lot of those painful experiences or re-traumatized experiences because we haven't set up the I have a dream statements. Okay. And so the I have a dream statements are, you know, like I have a dream that, you know, if we are to have a really amazing physical uh, sexual experience that I will, and we always start with the independent approach first, that I will, you know, set up um where i can hear you emotionally where i can i can address the emotions of the past right i that i can actually hear your perceptions and your ideas and not gaslight them or or <laughs> defend my past behavior whatever right so that it's got to be individual approach first in saying i want i want to set up this I have a real huge desire to set up this really amazing um, non-objectifying experience with you. And if you want to get more information on the I have a dream statements, you can look those up through Lazarus lectures or get in our marriage repair classes. But um, it's just setting up those really effective I have a dream statements. A lot of these things, we just, we want to get to the point where we don't have to and that's hard. It might be hard to see, but we don't have to set up boundaries or we don't have to set up you know, how to do it through talk. We don't have to request sex anymore. We don't have to deny sex anymore. We want to get to the point where it becomes synergistic. If that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes, that makes perfect sense. Um, I, and I, I also, I also wanted to add that um, kind of in addition to what you pointed out there, really if there's any sort of trigger or there's any sort of discomfort with the requests that are being made or with the ideas that are being had or, or the dreams that that are in one person's mind but haven't been communicated to the other but i mean you got to communicate these things and, and you got to be willing to and feel safe to say i'm not comfortable with this or i'm i'm feeling triggered like i just i just got flashed by something from our past and it, it has totally flipped my chemical shift to where I'm actually, I'm not in a place that I'm okay being physically intimate right now. And yes. that us as, us as a partner, whoever that might be, needs to be that safe space where they can say, that's okay. Let, let's, let's shut down the intimacy factory and let's just, let's go into, let's talk about this if you want to, or let's go turn on a TV show and just cuddle. Or do you need your, do you need your own space for a few minutes to kind of work through this and, and let's go from there, but give them, give them the options that they don't, that you're not adding to their plate of, you're actually making it worse by shutting down emotionally or by making me feel bad that I spoke my needs and desires to you that you know, we, we don't want to be, we don't want to add to the crap factory. <laughs> there, it just, it does so much more damage. So yeah, being willing to communicate that. And then, uh, so in, can in I add something a little bit? Oh yeah, absolutely. 
yeah just in i don't know if i got to the triggered part of it yet but like if those are i i just i just want to kind of be a second witness to what you just said right um if there are triggers there um please always know that the other person cannot not fulfill those needs for you the most effectively at times if they are triggered in that triggered state you know so if 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 someone is triggered and if they can't open up in those situations that is the that's the best time to just kind of like respectfully retreat you know dignified and respectfully go and say hey i'm just off right now you know that could be the one that's triggered because maybe they're they're seeking objectification or the other one just like you were saying um i'm just not into it it just doesn't feel close it doesn't feel like it's a safe environment for me right now yeah and I, it's not because of you it's just i'm i'm out like i i've got some hijack in my brain right now allow that and put that in your i have a dream statement i have a dream that when someone is triggered or if i'm triggered by you know wanting to have objectification that i will i will not go in and and try to manipulate or objectify in those moments i have a dream that if i'm triggered and if i feel like it's man it's just not it's not a safe or it's not a not a very unified experience i have a dream that i will say listen i'm gonna go just i'm gonna bow out for just a second i gotta go get to get to prayer for a second i need to go do my woman in the mountain or man in the mountain for a little bit yeah and put that in the i have a dream statement too the more we have these in our in our mind the more neurolinguistically we change our minds and cognitive behaviorally we, we can say oh i have an option now i don't have to go to the pity party i don't have to go to oh my goodness you hate me and all these horrible things that we might say because of the experience or oh i'm, I'm or, sure no I, i've never i've never had those thoughts right well even <laughs> oh my goodness and so you know we just put those in the i have a dream statement and it's going to be really helpful just wanted to have that love that yeah that's that's awesome and just it's okay to communicate the fact that you're not in it i i i love that you pointed that out there there has to be that sense of safety of being able to say i'm just not there right now and, and i want to be yeah yeah ex exactly like and and i love that you also pointed out um that that tactic of like not projecting that um that lack of desire onto the other person but saying like look i'm not in a good place right now to do this and i i need some time for me to be able to figure some things out and then we can talk about it but that that way that that doesn't also leave that person feeling like oh they hate me or oh we're, we're never gonna make love again or oh oh i've damaged the relationship somehow and this is you know to where they start to spiral and allow themselves to be dragged down through that through that chemical scale um then so for for me as as the addict uh there was actually um a, a recent experience that i was actually the one and you know th this this has never happened to to me you know that's what all those guys always say right i swear this has never happened to me <laughs> uh but I was the one who actually bowed out and said, hold on, like, like in the middle of like passionate kissing, I had to stop and say, hold on. I just, my, my brain just totally flipped into a, a pornographic video. And mm. my, my wife became completely just an object in my mind that she was only there for, for my gratification and satisfaction. And I had to completely shut down the factory, hit the red button, have all the alarms go off and say, I'm not okay right now. And I, I started to like physically shake and, you know, like every, everything just stopped. And, and we, we ended up having like the most amazing conversation and we were so connected and it, it but it was something that again, had never happened to me before where not only did I have to bow out, but the, I had the control to say, I need to step out of this. I, I I'm not okay right now. And it was something that actually created a, a much closer bond between between my wife and I. But I just want to point out that there can be there can be triggers for both the spouse of the addict and the addict. And it is the responsibility of each of those individuals themselves 
to speak and communicate those triggers in order to be able to have a healthy, intimate relationship. Oh, so huge. And what a, what a beautiful, what a beautiful experience that you, you had there. And now neurolinguistically, cognitive behaviorally in your yeah. brain, you've already, you, you've trained your brain to get to that point of, oh my goodness, I only want to, I, I really, you know, there's probably times where it's not as, as special, but I, I want to perfect this area of my life, yeah. right? And I want to open up and I want to be true to myself and true to my wife and say, oh my goodness, I'm totally, I'm like freaking out right now. And I'm having a, an objectifying experience. And boy, boy, oh boy, do I, I never want you to put, want to put you in that situation again. Yeah. My goodness, I love you so much that I'm going <laughs> to stop this right now and get to my right mind. And have a beautiful, verbal, intimate, cognitive, intimate, emotionally intimate experience with you. That's beautiful, Cameron. Oh, my goodness. That is, that's phenomenal. And if we can get that, you know, and that's the, that's the level of respect that you and your wife have for each other. Where if you're, you're not at that state, let's say somebody hasn't gotten to that. And it could be triggering to somebody. Oh, my goodness. You're. You're seeing me as pornography. I'm leaving right now. Like you suck. Right? Yeah. <laughs> but because of what you set up, it's a demeanor. It's a countenance of the relationship, right? That I can speak and be true and I'm not going to have any judgment. But the moment I, the, the, here's the idea. The moment that we lose the spirit as listeners or speakers, that's, you know, in that situation, that's where we need to retreat to a safe place to make sure we can go talk to Heavenly Father or higher power, right? But you have set up a situation where you can speak to yeah. your wife in those moments. And that's what's, that's what's so stinking special. It but is stinking special. Stinking special, man. Stinking special. Stinking special. But just oh, always, man. for those that are listening, if, you ever, if, there, if, you, if there ever is a situation where the spirit isn't there, don't, don't try to resolve everything in that moment. Please have a graceful retreat go write your letter to god or go get your go get your pain out somewhere other than that person that's also not feeling the spirit in yeah. that moment but look at how cameron just set up a wonderful situation with his wife and that didn't take just a moment that took years of recovery <laughs> practice that makes sense so if you're thinking that you're going to get to that level and try it please yeah but make sure you that's where we got to get to the point where we it's the change of our countenance guys a lot of people say you know you know in the worth program they say watch the feet um of the of the addict or whoever is recovering from the addiction and the person that's going through the betrayal tra traumas they're hearing watch the feet i also say watch the feet and watch the countenance watch the countenance of of your marriage, watch the countenance of your loved one. So I just, man, I love that story a lot. Yeah. <laughs> As you can tell. <laughs> I get, and yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, brother. I, I appreciate yeah. that. Um, all right. Let, let just, uh, just a couple more, more questions here. Uh, I think one of the biggest issues that needs to be addressed in the physical intimacy realm of marriage is the uh, how to effectively communicate. Uh, things like the the mood or how to take the rejection out or the the feeling of safety and all of it kind of revolving around this feeling of like shame. So how how would you how would you counsel someone to remove that that shame word out of the physical intimacy realm of a relationship? Well, it's just you know where we're at in our recovery too. If Please, if anybody's out there having shame for having the desires to have sex, right, or having those uh, sexual desires that shouldn't be shamed, remember that's where passion, that's passion energy. It doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to be misconstrued as only sexual energy, right? And so if that shame factor is coming in, please just allow yourself to say, okay, I'm having somewhat of an urge right now. I, I desire to, to have 
um, some type of ex sex sexual experience. But as I know, if I bridle my passions so that I may feel the love of God, right? Because a sexual experience should allow us to feel the love of God, right? We should feel a synergistic experience because we just experienced maybe that um, celestial uh, sexual experience. But it's ever, if, it, if it's ever shamed, because maybe we don't have an accurate view of what healthy sexuality is right now. Maybe our definitions of sexuality is still somewhat pornographic or objectifying. And so, um, or we're seeing it as such, we're seeing ourselves as, as someone horrible for even having the urge. But if we can get to the point where we just see it as something that, oh my goodness, this is passion and energy. I need to go get creative. I don't necessarily have to go and get this um, through whatever. I can go get this through, you know, perfecting my passion of art or, you know, going and getting some exercise. And I can, I can get that passion energy just distributed in a really healthy way that I may feel the love of God, bridle our passions. We don't want to shut down our passions ever. We don't want to, definitely don't want to shut down our sexual passions. Right. We want to bridle them so we may feel the love of God. So if that's happening, um, usually if a person's view or perception of sex is in that way, it's a shaming way, it's probably going to pour over into the relationship. It's probably going to pour over into um, how that, those sexual experiences it's, uh, are going to be. It may pour over into manipulation or you know, even uh, the person that is our partner in that, in that moment, they may feel, you know, shamed or used or objectified and it's just the shame is what just reinforces all the trauma you know um let me see if i caught all that question though did i get a good base of that question no yeah yeah you, you you got a great base um okay and and i i yeah i just wanted to add and you you'll probably want to jump in on some of this too that that shame really causes um these really common misconceptions regarding like what what a healthy or happy sex life is, what a, what a happy, physically intimate relationship looks like. So I, I got to a point when, uh, before, before recovery and everything was happening, I, I was apologizing almost every time uh, that my wife and I were intimate because I, I would feel inadequate and I was ashamed of like, oh, maybe I didn't last long enough for her to be happy. Maybe, uh, maybe I did something that didn't feel as great for her. Maybe, and, and I was constantly projecting the, my own internal disappointments and the fact that I felt like I was a disappointment to her. And so I would project that disappointment. But also things like, how often is it happening? That we use that as almost like a, a timetable for when intimacy should happen can cause feelings of shame and like not only shame but just like a really dull kind of boring sex life to where it's like hey we we haven't we haven't been physical in like four or five days we should probably do that it's like what a boring way to uh, approach someone about being romantic it's like hey uh so i'm, I'm clocking in now for my shift uh it's been a while <laughs> uh yeah <laughs> so you know if, if we were to schedule anything what what do we want to schedule then connection i would just say schedule connection we just you know and even that like you know we ought to want to just like this is what i love is like i was talking to this guy the other day and they were talking about how like pretty much every communication ended up in a fight because nobody would listen to the other person i i mean i'm just no, she's never listening to. He's he's never listening to me. And I was like, what if we made it the opposite fight? What if we what if we went and fought for the perception of the other person? Same thing with this, right? What if we what if we just went and said, you know, maybe I don't have to like um, schedule the connection or whatever, but like, what if we fought to just completely be engulfed in the life of the other person? What if we just fought to just be like, you know what? I really want to know more about you and why you're experiencing what you're experiencing right now. That, that, that fascinates me. 
instead of going in, oh my goodness, when am I going to be hurt? Or when am I going to get this opportunity for sex again? Or when am I going to get this, right? We go in and say, oh my goodness, tell me more about what it does to you when I may have those shame-based approaches to, to sex. I bet that puts you in a really harsh spot. Yeah. And so fight for the, you know, if we can fight for the perceptions we tend to get to the point where it becomes a really close experience where maybe the amazing, amazing and beautiful uh, outcome is a sexual experience with the other person. Yeah. Right. And so if we fight for the right, like fight for the amazing perception when maybe when those urges come to say, Oh my goodness, it's only been five, it's been five days and we haven't had any sexual intercourse. Right. Yeah. You want to say, Oh my goodness. Maybe it's because in my own, own wisdom and my recovery that I've got some issues that I need to go through, or I, maybe I need to go do a, a really significant, maybe deep letter to God and, or some type of truth tool or notice the name of flip to find it. Yeah. And I'm going to go see about the other, per- after I do that, and after I check in with myself, I'm going to go check in with the other person. How are you? Oh my goodness, I just had this urge and I just won this battle. And I just realized how much you mean to me and how much I love you so much. Tell me more, tell me more about how you're doing in your life today. Cause I don't want to project, I don't want to project that shame onto you. Right. I don't want to relive what we've done. What my job is to just is just to really, if that cycle is gonna be there in our lives, I want to really elongate our cycles of you know, mishaps and miscommunications. And hopefully we get better and better at it as we go. Cause those urges are going to come just how do we navigate them? Yeah. Just last night. I mean, my, my wife and I, our, our week has just been crazy. And so, and we've, we've seriously, like uh, I've traveled this past week. Um, we just got back from a vacation. We're trying to get everything reestablished. There's been this mentors gathering this weekend and then we like our kids had concerts, like like life, just life was happening. And um, so <laughs> we were driving home from this event. Both of us are exhausted. And, you know, I, I made the dumb mistake of being like, so, I mean, do you want to do anything tonight? Like, <laughs> that was how I approached it. And she was like, I don't know. I'm, I don't know if I'm really there. And then it took me about two seconds to realize like, hold on, I'm not really there either. I don't even know why I asked. <laughs> It was out of sheer like like boredom or out of just like that timetable you know flipped into my head of like oh it's been a minute and so so what I want to say there is no one's feelings were hurt like she wasn't upset that I brought it up and I didn't slip into shame that I had I had you know abandoned that boundary of like or that value of like oh shoot I let the timetable get to me why did I I didn't slip into shame it was just like actually, you're right. Yeah. We're, we're both exhausted. Like, can we just, maybe we could just watch an episode of friends tonight and just cuddle on the couch. And I was like, that sounds, that sounds great now. And that didn't even end up happening. I ended up writing out the outline for this interview, but she sat on the couch next to me and we played some footsies on the couch. We, you know, <laughs> and, and that, that was, that was what we needed though. That was the, that was all the connection, not only that we needed, but that we could handle in that moment, because to try and push for more would have been to try and force intimacy, which forcing intimacy only does damage. And so what I want to say is having, being told no or saying no should never be a shameful thing. It should never be something you feel bad about doing because there is intimacy in honesty and that builds you know what? You can put that on your wall right behind you right there. I'm just going to put that on a wooden plaque and send it to you. <laughs> yes. Uh, but, but I truly believe that there's intimacy and honesty and there's something attractive about someone who's willing to say, you know, I'm not really in that place because it inspires the other person to really evaluate inwardly on themselves and say, where am I really though? Am I just doing this because I'm bored? Am I saying I'm in the mood because I want to be able to tell my friends, we have sex all the time. We have sex three times a week that, that somehow that, that number somehow gives me a status or am I someone that truly values and loves the, uh, like, like you were saying, the emotional state and the happiness of my partner and I'm willing to fight for them in order to create that physical desire. 
Oh, huge. Goes into your it goes into your demeanor and your countenance there too. Yeah. Right. Look at the work. Look at the work you've done to create that. No, that's just just amazing. Intimacy and honesty. Huge. There's intimacy. There's so much intimacy and honesty. Look at the opposite. If we're dual, if we're hidden in our even our emotions, if we're if we're creating a situation where the other person has to guess what we're experiencing or feeling, it's not fun. Not fun for us. That's not fun for them. And so if we can't talk or can't listen in those moments, retreat, go check ourselves, go see where go see where things are going, come back and say, hey, I just had an experience where I was experiencing this. And I wanted to update you on this because I really want you to know my world. And I really just desire to know everything about yours, too, because I love you so much. You know, my wife frequently does a, a self check on herself and she's like, I'm like, are you okay? You seem almost like a little irritated with me. She's like, I'm actually irritated with myself because I forget you can't read my mind. And I oh thought, and, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what happened? And then we'll, we'll talk about it. And she's like, so I'm communicating it to you now that, you know, like whether it be a miscommunication we had or like dealing with the kids or I forgot something, just any little thing, you know, it's just like, I, I forgot to communicate with you verbally. I just did it in my head and I forgot you can't read my mind. So yeah, I, I love what you said there. All right, two last little quick things. How would you, what recommendation would you give for someone to start a conversation about intimacy with their spouse? Because this is yeah. this can be a really awkward and it can be really, really difficult to do, to be like, I wanna talk about sex with your spouse. And it can lead to some discomfort. So how would you, how would you recommend they go about doing that in the happiest and most comfortable way? Yeah. So this is what I love about Lazarus lectures is we set up the, we set up, set up a marital mission statement and we set up an, I have a dream statement around all the areas of intimacy. And so, you know, if it is to initiate sex, that means there's probably some type of urge that needs to be fulfilled where we feel like this other person needs to fulfill this role for us, right? And we got to discern that, right? If it, if it is, ooh, I need to talk about sex because I want to initiate it or I want to do it, that's where we step back and say, okay, remember, I, I, I've got to remember that this person isn't the, my need fulfiller, right? They help with my needs. They're maybe assistant to the need fulfiller, which is Heavenly Father. Heavenly Father fulfills our needs and that's not sexually, it's just He's got a lot of passion and energy and uh, things that he can send to us to um, get us fulfilled in that re regard. And so always, always remember this person in our life, spouse, whoever it is, is not our need fulfiller. That, that means if, if we're still feeling that they're our need fulfiller, we're in that codependency craving, right? Yeah. So in that regard, if we're going to initiate any type of conversation, it's to present our, I have a dream statement or a marital mission statement when it becomes, when it comes to physical intimacy or sexual intimacy, I have a dream or I envision that when we're in this experience, that it's set up through this way. I envision that, you know, when we're experiencing uh, sexual intimacy, that whatever that is, right, whatever it can be is in that I have a dream statement. If we're going to, if we're going to have um, any ideas, we've got to put, put it forth cognitively first and say, these are my perceptions, ideas about how we can have a fruitful, wonderful sexual life. Does that make sense? Is that helpful? No, it made perfect sense. And that, 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 usually can, that usually sets us up independently to make sure that we follow our own dream state. Yeah, something that uh, my, my wife and I did is we... we uh, we have a conversation chart on, on the back of our um, closet door. And, you know, this isn't like a, a secret, like naughty thing. It's like nothing weird. But when, when, when there is something that comes into our mind that we're like, I, we need to sit down and have a conversation about this. Finances, uh, intimacy, whatever it might be, um, we, we put it on there and we create an opportunity to connect and have a meaningful conversation so that we can avoid things like, okay, I'm only initiating a conversation about intimacy in order to initiate intimacy, like what you just said. So yeah, because then you're using manipulative tactics and 
you know, that's the wrong way to go about it. So, no, I, I really, um, and then the, the other thing that I, I would just add to what you said was, is uh, be willing to be vulnerable in conversations about intimacy, be completely you. And, and you can preface these statements of, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about sharing this side of me. I'm nervous about, um, uh, about expressing these desires or, uh, or what my dream statement is about how our physical life might look like. I just want you to know that um, these things that I'm thinking and everything or these passions that I'm feeling are who I am. And, and I, I'm just desperate for you to approach that with me. I'm not saying all of them have to be accepted. I just need you to see me for who I am. So um, the last little thing I was going to ask you, and this, this is the last question, I promise everyone, thank you for sticking with us. What is one piece of advice you'd give to those who struggle to have a healthy physical relationship? Yeah, you know, it, I, I think it's, you know, there's so much to set it up. There's so much that sets up our perceptions around uh, physical relationships. So many experiences of might have May, it may have caused damage. Um, there might be addiction in our lives. So there's a lot of different things that set up that, that kind of that hardship, right? And so it's one of those things where if we, if we can be still and really consider the lilies and, and know God, know that we can take those vulnerable conversations to Heavenly Father. Because he, he knows all areas of grief. He mourns with those that mourn. And so the same questions we may take to our spouse when we're, you know, like similar to what you were saying with our different vulnerabilities, take those and, and ponder them with Heavenly Father. Take those grieving moments of those bargains and those, those fretting moments where we're thinking without the spirit in our own head sometimes. And we're, we're grieving within grief in those moments. Take them directly to Heavenly Father. And he can get, give us the accurate views of how we, how we can um, navigate those things at the level that we understand them with our perceptions and developments up until that moment. That's what I love about Heavenly Father. We can take any question to him and he's, he's completely there if we know him accurately. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent, omnipotent, benevolent. And so he knows what we're going to deal with the moment that we're dealing with it. And so there, and we can have almost like it can almost have a reminiscent pre-mortal inventory of what we, what we were going to experience in this life. We just can uncover what he would teach us in that moment. So that's why, that's what I always do is invite people to ponder instead of fret, right? Mm, yeah. Transition from fretting to pondering where we're actually thinking with the spirit and grieving with God right by our side as opposed to, grieving in our own brain and our limited wisdom. Awesome. Well, Cody, I, I really, really appreciate you joining me on, on another episode. I think this has been an amazing conversation and I'm just, I'm so glad I, hear, I had you here to help us through this. And um, I, I know this is a really tender and touchy subject for a lot of people that can cause a lot of discomfort. And so the last little thing that I just wanted to share with, uh, with my listeners is going back to kind of what, what we said at the very beginning, this passion, this desire for physical intimacy is absolutely nothing to be ashamed of. And it is something to celebrate. It is something to rejoice in and, and it can be rejoiced in and it can be shared when it is done under the fundamentals of um, a trusting, healthy, and safe relationship. And I think when, when you have, when you have that place of safety for intimacy in a relationship and when you get to that point that you can communicate openly that there's no shameful topics that there's no disappointment in in uh, or rejection in being told no that there's an understanding between the two of you when all these uh cognitive intellectual verbal spiritual intimacies kind of come together there and and, and i can attest to this there is a beautiful healthy, happy, amazing life of intimacy that is waiting for you on the other side of all those other connections. It takes work. Yes. It takes effort. Yes. It takes a lot of tears and a lot of 
heartache at times? Yes. And at the end of it all, is it worth it? It's three times yes. Because to, to have, to, to understand that other person in a way that no one else on this earth does is, I think, something that is a, is a lifelong worthwhile pursuit. So, um, <laughs> amen. Uh, so th thank you again. Thanks for joining me. And uh, if you're looking for, um, I, I guess, can I, can I plug you here? Or do you want to, do you want to plug yourself here as far as like, if anyone is needing any sort of marital counseling or has any questions, is there a way they could reach out to you? Uh, yeah. I mean, you can, you can do it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You, you might have to drop the phone number because I don't have it by, oh, okay. by memory. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, if, if you do want to reach out to Cody Haas at Life Changing Services, you can do so. Uh, his email is uh, Cody Haas LLC at gmail.com or you can um, uh, schedule an appointment at 385-519-6089. And uh, yeah, just thank you. Cameron. Oh, you're you're very welcome. Um, I I think more people need to. Another thing we said at the beginning: more people need to be talking about this stuff. We this this needs to be something that we don't keep hidden in the dark about our our questions, our concerns, our vulnerabilities, and our feelings. Uh, sure, the details probably can be reserved between you and your spouse, but um, I, I think there's something very very special about being able to talk to someone about what's going on in our lives and to get that professional help. And you are that professional and you've helped me and my wife a ton. And I love you, man. I, I just, I really appreciate who you are and what you've done for me and my family. So I owe a lot to the, the man I am today is owed a lot to, to who you made me out to be. So. Oh man, you're too kind. Thank you, man. Thanks for being an amazing example. You're welcome. All right. You uh, have a great rest of your Sabbath day and uh, I'll talk to you later. Sounds good. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you next week.